0: everyone. Welcome back to the murder board podcast. This is civil Drive, the discussion show for the murder board podcast. I'm your host, Walter, and tonight I'm back with Zaria. Hello. Tonight, we will be discussing the children of the corn from 1984. So if you haven't seen this show or you haven't seen this movie, this is just spoiler warning. And if you have, I hope you enjoy our little show here. Zaria, we're back. First off, welcome for another episode. And uh, we're this is kind of a unique time of the year, uh, but um, at least for the podcast, I don't know. We do weird movies when it comes to like think around Thanksgiving time. For us, Thanksgiving has passed. For most people, Thanksgiving has passed. So, just want to start off by saying, how was your Thanksgiving?
1: It was pretty cool. I got all of my favorite dishes and desserts. So i it's also my favorite holiday. So I was yeah. overjoyed. So
0: yeah, yep. me, I've just been feeling extremely guilty because I've just been eating nothing but eating. <laughs> after a while, it's like, uh Which is, it's like I eat, I ate Thanksgiving dinner. And then the very next morning I went up, woke up and went to work where I work at a restaurant now. And there's just more food. And for lunch, I had to eat that. And I was like, oh, man, I am if I don't, if I don't be careful, I'm going to go back to how I was in 2019, just round. But uh, I I think uh, everything's kind of slowed down now. But, you know, with Thanksgiving comes uh, Thanksgiving horror movies. I think this is a tradition for the podcast starting last year, because I remember you were, you were asking me, well, we had all these holidays that have been turned into horror movies, and yet we don't get a lot for Thanksgiving. I looked some up. There are a few out there. None of them are really mainstream, like Halloween or even Christmas or even, like, uh, <laughs> St. Patrick's Day, would you believe it? But... Thanksgiving has some gems out there last year we did a movie that I absolutely love blood rage one of my favorite episodes we've done go listen to that one Me, just me like fangirling and Shelton just like rolling over in his grave. (laughs) But uh, at the same time last year we did a Stephen King episode which Zaria, Zarya you weren't able to be a part of but I remember when we were prepping for that episode you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about children of the corn. And I was like, well, we can probably just fit that in another time. And that time has come. We're talking about the OG Children of the Corn, um, which also marks this episode of in this discussion, our actual like first Stephen King episode, like before we had did an uh, amalgamation of our favorites with uh, Shelton and me and Savannah. And we did uh, it. We covered Misery and we covered my favorite, Carrie. Which is hilarious, because if you go back to the episode, it's just me going, yeah, like, I read that book, I read that book, I read that book, and Sheldon and Mer- uh, Sheldon uh, sorry, uh, dang. Sheldon and Savannah going, we like the movie. <laughs> and I'm just being like, I don't know, I I come off very extra nerdy in that one, I don't know how proud I am about it, because I was like, oh, yeah, 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 the book was like this, the book was like this, and they're both going like, yeah, but the movie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, first off, what Do you have any uh, pre, pre-thoughts on Stephen King as a, you know, do you know who he is, writer? Uh, just, like, any notion of who Stephen King is and his works?
1: I was introduced to Stephen King uh, through his movies first, or, like, his, uh, the movies that were, like, based off of his books, but I don't, I haven't read, like, like, um, like the mainstream books that he has, like it was like maybe a no. hidden book. I think that's why I can't remember it, but I just read one just to say I read a Stephen King book. And it's not like I, I, I not only watching his movies, like I read one of his books. So yeah. Nah.
0: <laughs> good, good. Nice to have a fellow reader on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is just the two of us that actually, I mean, maybe Roderick may read, but then again, i don't know but uh yeah, yeah. same here i was introduced to the movies children of corn is actually one of the first ones i've seen but uh, i'm definitely more familiar with like the 70s stuff carrie and the shining and uh don't worry people i i hear you we are getting to the shining one day <laughs> we'll be we'll be getting to it next year a little later but it'll be next year when we get to the shining but uh yeah uh i've definitely read some of the books here but we're talking about children and so we won't keep this intro too long because there are some very interesting facts about this movie. But my my final question is: Why Children of the Corn? Why was this one the one you championed, or or is this one your favorite? Or you know why why it are is, we doing Children of the Corn?
1: It is my okay, yeah, it is my favorite. But um, growing up, my aunt. Like, refer to me and my sister as the children of the corn. So she would be like, Oh, come on, children of the corn. Or <laughs> what's the children of the corn doing? And then uh, I never knew, and I, like, I never knew the reference. And then I was like, sat down and watched the movie once. And I was like, She thinks I'm a menace. Ah.
0: <laughs> That's funny.
1: <laughs> but it wasn't until like uh, her son was born that she kind of dropped it.
0: Uh, um, so, like,
1: up until, like, I was eight, she, um, she will refer to me and my sister as the Children of the Corn, and so it just kind of stuck with me, because it was just like, oh, okay, so this is what, this is what, you know, she was talking about. Okay, she thinks I'm a murderous menace. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, that is an interesting nickname to have growing up. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna go ahead and take our first break so we can go ahead and get into the facts of children of the corn. So here's our first little clip. which is one of my favorite scenes actually.
1: Amos was satisfied. We need the woman. She'll bring the man to us. No, he must be taken without her. We cannot
0: remove her from this place. It is holy. We will bring the Lord too by using one not blaspheme, Malachi. You know not the laws. He speaks them only to
1: me. I think not, Isaac. You are the one who's lost favor with them. He's the god of blood and sacrifice, not ceremony. Lies, sacrilege, down on your knees, heretic. Shut your mouth, Isaac, you don't pry one apart from us. Oh he who walks behind the rose will decide your fate. Don't
0: just sit there. Seize him, punish him, cut him down. I command you. I am the word and the giver of his laws. Disobedience to me is disobedience to him. Do it now or your punishment shall be a thousand times, a thousand deaths, each more horrible than the last.
1: They are tired of your talk, Isaac. I've shown them what I can do.
0: Cut the woman down.
1: Put Isaac in her place. We will can. see how the Lord <gasps> favors
0: you. No, no you dare no, not, God, God. blaspheme. He will God. punish you. The jaws God. of hell will devour you. All of you. No. No. No when i say i cracked up so hard at that last part no.
1: see i feel i feel i don't know because what i cracked up on i cracked up when they had hit um the little boy in the street.
0: oh okay
1: <laughs> she said oh they hit a kid no it was it was really how his body flew
0: This movie is full of those, though. They're always just flinging kids around.
1: (laughs) Okay.
0: uh, okay. All right, so we're back, and here are just the facts about Children of the Corn. It was released March 9th, 1984, directed by Fritz Kirsch, and a screenplay by George Goldsmith. uh, Based on the short story Children of the Corn by Stephen King, the film stars Linda Hamilton, same year as Terminator, actually. Uh, Peter Horton, John Franklin, and Courtney Gaines. And the plot goes as such: as physician Burton and his girlfriend Vicky terrible names, by the way Burton Vicky that's how you know it's written by Stephen King. <laughs> uh, Burton Vicky drive across the Midwest to his new job. Uh, their trip comes to a sudden halt when they encounter a body of a murdered boy in the middle of the road. In trying to contact authorities, Bert and Vicky wander into the small town populated only by children, followers of, a sinister, followers of a sinister young preacher, Isaac. Soon the couple is fleeting the youthful fanatics who want to sacrifice them to their demonic deity. The budget for the film was $800,000, but the box office was $14.6 Made for cheap and made a whole lot of money. Uh, the uh and just some bonus facts here the og story was um published back in march 1977 in an issue of penthouse magazine of all places but was later added to stephen king's collection of uh stephen king's 1978 night shift collection uh which is just kind of like a just like a a book filled with other books essentially um And then the franchise is actually often titled to be the ultimate cult following franchise. Uh, this is a this is an 11 film franchise based on a 16 page short story. Real quick, I, I want you to just kind of like let that sink in and then give me your thoughts on that little piece of fact there.
1: Sounds like every uh, every paper I typed for school. <laughs> Take a little bit of notes. Drag it out,
0: <laughs> man! Oh man, this is the longest-running Stephen King franchise to date. Out of everything Stephen King has done, this is the one story that has the most sequels and spin-offs to it. Like say, like
1: each page
0: is a movie. <laughs> they really, yeah, it, like it's, <laughs> they need what six more to get the complete thing? Because it's six. It's a 16-page <laughs> short story, and they have 11 movies, right? <laughs> five,
1: yeah, five more, and then five more.
0: <laughs> sixteen movies for sixteen pages. I hope we get that actually. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All right, and then um, last but not least, the actor that plays Malachi was twenty-six when they filmed this. Um, he the, the actor does have a growth defect, so he was a lot older than everyone else. But man, oh, man, did he play that part?
1: Twenty-six.
0: Yeah, 26 years old. You can kind of see it in his face, but he looked like a kid.
1: He just looked like, I don't know. I just thought that's how Midwesters looked in the
0: 80s. Uh, real. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's the 26. Um, to me, it was just more of like, you know, every cult has a small, angry man attached to it. Like every cult leader. You know, you know give me, name one cult leader that was like, over six feet. Uh, all right. So really quickly, I do want to like dive into the franchise because I'll just uh, it's, again, it's a thing for me. I like franchises. I like going back and looking over them. Um, Here's something that's probably not surprising. I have seen almost every single one of these movies I've seen. Out of the 11, I have seen. Nine. Including or eight. Okay. I think I it's either 8 or 9, depending on what counts or not. You know, it's about to get really complicated here. <laughs> All right, so just to walk through briefly of the Children of the Corn legacy. So, the we're going to talk about the 84 films. That's the first one. But there was one, There was the first time it was ever adapted was a year before as a short student film called Disciples of the Crow. And the reason that happened is because Stephen King has this thing where it's called Dollar Babies. And where you, I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not, but uh basically he has a, a list of of his uh his writings that you can pay one dollar for. Uh, you can pay one dollar to get the film rights and then adapt it, but you can't like uh make any money off of it. You can't like promote it or anything. It's more, it's mainly just like a student film thing. And Disciples of the Cloro was one of like the three ones that really kicked off that little thing there. And uh, I I haven't seen it, but I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube somewhere. And it follows the short story fairly closely. In the short story, it's the same exact event. It's just Vicky and Bert on the road. They hit a kid. Turns out the kid is dead. And then they kind of wander into a small town. And then they're both murdered by this cult of children who praise this deity. But That's about it. All 16 pages of that and somehow they dragged 11 movies out of that. But uh after that we got the first movie, then the second one. I uh, this is the last one I saw because um at the reason I saw all of these is because in 2013 or not 2015 they were all on Netflix with the exception of the remake and the second one. And I was like, okay, well this is a, I was getting into Stephen King at the time. Um and I was just like, all right, I'll just try it out, and then I just got addicted into watching all of these movies. (laughs) And I don't know why, because most of them are really, really bad. But, uh, yeah. The second one, called uh, Children of the Corn, The Final Sacrifice, came out in 92. Um, The only thing I remember about this movie is that it takes place, like, a day or so after the first one. And... (laughs) It's basically like all the kids become orphans and they all get like siphoned off into different areas. But we're following this dude and his son and they're the ones kind of like, I guess, finding like the remaining children of the town and they kind of get terrorized that way. But really, the only thing I remember is a scene where, uh, where an old lady in a wheelchair gets thrown through a window. Oh, my gosh. It, that's, that's all I remember. Um, then the, another, one, another one we have is uh, Urban Harvest. This is actually one of my favorite ones out of the... It was just entertaining. But it's basically cho- Children of the Corn in the hood. Like, that's it. <laughs> they're surrounded by... They're surrounded by inner-city kids, black kids, Hispanics, and they're just... And a, a mini cult comes out of the, the the high school that they're in, again. Or it's like a... It's, like, it's a high school, but also an elementary school next to it. But the little kid... Uh, the little main kid in that one ends up becoming, like, the new preacher. And then, like, he starts pretty much you know like a cult he starts bringing in all the kids in the school and then is down to this group of kids it's like no we have to stop that because that's wrong (laughs) but it's it's really weird i liked how weird it was though but it was it was very it's very much like and when i say like it's it's the 90s so it's very Candyman ish the way Mm. they tried to make it like i hope that is like the best description because that's what i thought every time i watched it But it was it was just a fun movie to watch, but it was really ridiculous and slightly racist. Oh, my gosh. All right. Next up, we have The Gathering. This is the one that actually has a mutual of ours. We're not a mutual, but like this is the one I remember because it has Mark Sal Sailing in it. If people know him, he was a puck on Glee. He was a young child in this movie. Uh, I think he's one of the main people, one of the main kids in it running around. I don't remember anything else about this movie though, but I remember watching it. I just I I can see it. I just don't can't tell you the plot, characters, what happens. I just know that Mark Salling's in it and it's another Children of the Corn movie. Same thing with this next one, Fields of Terror. Have no idea, but I I know I can see it. I see the stills of the movie and I'm like I know that happened. I know these characters. I just don't remember their names or the context of it. But then we get to the one that is actually pretty good. It, they they tried to do a reboot where they made a sequel that is like the sequel to the first one instead of just going off everything else. And it's called 666 Isaac's Return. It is the sixth movie and they called it 666. And uh, Isaac in this movie, we'll talk about what happens to him in this movie. But in this one, he comes back. Turns out he was, he's been alive the entire time and he's working magic. Or not magic, but he's working behind the scenes now of this new cult that's still within the town. And it connects back to to the event of the first movie. Uh, I remember this one actually being kind of scary. Like, it's got some really good moments in it. Um, I think Renee Zellweger is in this one? Or not Renee not Renee Zellweger. It's either her or the girl that was in The, the Grudge. I can't remember that actress name. But, like, one of those two are in this movie. Brene zellweger was in texas chainsaw so but i think basically it was it was children of the corn but they they were doing it in the style of the j-horror boom that was happening at or that was going to happen a few years later like it was in the same like you know green and blue of filters and creepy noises and videotapes and everything like that was this movie oh and there's a black girl in it who plays the role of the black friend but um uh, after that we got revelations in 2001 i remember watching it don't remember anything about it other than that there was a whole lot of yellow filters in it <laughs> and then we get to the one i haven't seen which is the sci-fi channel remake i don't i haven't seen it yet i can't find it anywhere but i it's one of it's my goal and then after that they took a break for a few years but in 2011 this is the one that i think prem, not premiered on netflix but they put it on there with all the other ones and this. Paranormal Activity meets Children of the Corn. It's called uh, Children of the Corn Genesis. It has nothing to do with the other films other than I think it's the, it's within the same town but it's different and basically the whole movie is like two people uh, I don't even remember the plot. Basically like they, there's a kid being like hidden in a in a barn and that kid has like special abilities and the only way they can see the kid is through like a video camera and it is like paranormal activity and these this two couple who was on the road they somehow get to this farm and they're like we can help and they try to rescue this kid turns out this kid is the embodiment of whatever of he who walks behind the And but it's all implied it's one of those movies where they had a, a separate script but they couldn't sell it on its own so they just slapped the name on it and now it's children of the corn genesis um and then Another one I haven't seen because it's more recent. We're getting to the two recent ones that have come out, so I guess I've only seen seven. But uh, Runaway came out in 2018, around the same time as Hereditary, actually, but I never saw it. I think it was went straight to DVD. Um, It'll pop up somewhere and I'll watch it because apparently I'm dedicated to this franchise. And then uh, the most recent one actually came out last year in 2020. It's a prequel, but it's called Children of the Corn 2020. And it's supposed to be a prequel. I read about it. I remember them filming it. They filmed it at the beginning of 2020 and going into the pandemic. But then I never knew if they ever finished it. But apparently it was out. Apparently it was in some theaters in some states. But um, I can't find it anywhere. But if I do find it, I will let you guys know. All right. Zaria, any thoughts on this entire franchise here? It's a lot of
1: movies for a 16-page story.
0: And yet still more to go, apparently, <laughs> we can get that full oh six Like, I can see the appeal of it. Like I said, yeah. like, yeah, like for me, I'm not going to give you my thoughts on the first one just yet. But like for me, the best ones to watch was like the second one was laughably bad, but like you could watch it. The third one, Urban Harvest, like I said, tad bit dated, racist, very Candyman like, but it was entertaining and then after that it just kind of falls off until you get to number 6 and number 6 is actually pretty decent it, it's just you know it it just it's the same type of horror as like that the ring but also what halloween was kind of doing with like video cameras and shit and then after that i can't give you i can't defend the, the franchise any longer
1: well <laughs> you don't even know the plots after that
0: <laughs> yeah like it's a very forgettable like franchise actually like it's so fun it's so funny how iconic this movie is or the story is like people know children of the corn but like yeah. if you asked them what would happen they were like oh yeah I don't know there's when. kids there's corn yeah. <laughs> there's killing yeah, like <laughs> and I'm pretty good at remembering plots of movies, but I'm telling you, I can see it in my head. I can like try and describe to you what I'm seeing, but like it there's not's not, not going to form a plot of what happened in the movie.
1: Well, I got some I got some new movies to look for. Yeah, I th- I know the Genesis. I know the children uh, Records Genesis is on Tubi as well.
0: I don't recommend that one. That one feels like a waste of time. There's a weird truck scene at the end of it too. Like I would go, I would find the other ones before you watch that one. Okay. Yeah, that one don't don't start there because then after that you're gonna be like, well, maybe I don't want to do this. <laughs> but I'm telling you, like the middle ones, especially like the '90s ones, are fun to watch. Like I remember those being like decent enough. All right, um, let's go ahead and take our final break before we get into our discussion.
1: Every child is afraid of the dark, the unknown, the nightmare. In Gatlin, Nebraska, that nightmare is in the core. <coughs> Stephen King's Children of the Core. Stephen King, the author of Carrie, The Shining, The Dead Zone, and Christine, an adult nightmare. Ah! Children of the Corn. I'm here, Lord. I'm Help me! Help me! Help
0: me! Stephen King's
1: Children of the Corn, an adult nightmare. <laughs> Coming soon from New World Pictures.
0: Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Just wanted to let you know that you can now join in on the conversation as well. If you are listening on Anchor or Spotify, you can now comment your thoughts on the episode's Q&A tab in the show notes. Feel free to let us know whether or not you like the film, TV show, or overall topic, which host you agree with or don't agree with. And give your own take on the conversation. Maybe you saw something we didn't. Overall, we'd love to hear from you. Okay, back to the show. Children of the Court. An adult nightmare. Like, okay, that was good.
1: So my phone had like cut out. So the first time it said an, a, an adult's nightmare, it was like an adult's nightmare. Children. And then it went silent. <laughs> <laughs>
0: An adult's nightmare. Children.
1: Children.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Sorry, now I have to ask you again. Why Children of the core? <laughs> this movie. An adult's nightmare. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Okay. Yeah, give me your overall thoughts on this movie. What were you thinking after... Wa- well, okay. This is obviously not your first time watching it, right? Right. All right. So what were you thinking this time... Going into it, what what are your thoughts on Children of the Corn?
1: With my now almost sane mind watching this, Vicky kind of got on my nerves because she could not know how to set, stay still. He Bert would be like, stay here. She would wait like five minutes and then go lollygag, not lollygag, but investigate. It's like, girl, you don't <laughs> know where you are. I know you're trying to be strong and whatnot, but you don't know where you are. Stay
0: (laughs) put. For real, for real. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll get into the characters, but, like, Vicky is definitely, like, the worst.
1: (laughs) I wouldn't say the worst, but she was worse some.
0: Yeah, okay, that's it. That's definitely it. Like, okay, so I had definitely seen this movie before. My first time seeing it was when they were all on Netflix that one time and I was I started with the franchise and just kept going and my thoughts then was like okay it's pretty good but like I said this is a kind of forgettable franchise but like this movie definitely sticks with you for a bit because I think mainly it just has like good vibes to it or like good spooky vibes to it like it, it's, it's it's just interesting
1: because it's murderous children yeah <laughs> it thinking started, they're doing this for a higher purpose
0: I totally forgot how this movie started with like just mat like just like mass patricide just <laughs> it's a sunday morning everybody's getting out of church and oop, all the parents are dead uh and then but i, I instantly got annoyed with the whole kid narration thing like i like how they kind of brought it back at the end when it was like it's a story being told but like little kid narration is kind of worse than normal narration if you ask me
1: i, I liked it
0: you really you like little Joby going in there like
1: <laughs> it was Sunday morning. <laughs> I kind of like I don't know, like with the child narration, there's still like some sort of innocence to it, especially with the child that's narrating. It still brings like some type of innocence to it. Like these are just kids. I don't know. I liked it.
0: Okay, I can see that. Yeah. For me, it was just like, let's get how do we get this movie started? Well, exposition, but through kid. And I don't know, maybe that's just like my movie brain going off, but like I was able to, I I don't know. It just like for me, I could have done without the narrating and maybe just left it a little bit more open there. But uh Joby does work, he does like grow on me as the movie goes on here. Like our our main characters here, before we get to Bert and Vicky, we got these little uh I, I, why are they twins? Were they just brother and sister? I
1: think they're just brother and sister.
0: Okay, so they're around the same age though. I guess they make they could be like a year or two apart. Yeah. But like we got Joe, but they call him Joby, and then we have Sarah. Right off the bat, you realize that all the kids have biblical names. Oh my gosh,
1: yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm over here, I'm over here like replaying, like I'm like. Yeah, Malachi's in the Bible. Oh, there's Sarah. Job is
0: a whole in Isaac. Isaac. Yeah, crazy ass. Uh, <laughs> crazy ass Rachel at the end there, in the car. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Rachel. Uh, I forgot the older kid's name, but I think his name was like Aki a- a- e or not Aki. E, that's, that's Gossip Girl. Uh,
1: Amos. Amos. In, uh, yeah. Amos. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. and uh, even Joseph, who gets hit, who you know, who gets hit. By a uh, Burton Dickey. <laughs> Poor Joseph, man. <laughs> Poor Joseph. He, but yeah, go ahead.
1: I'm about to say he just wanted to be free of the cult. He was. He, he. I don't think he was part of it. Was he part of it? I don't think he was. Like, cause oh. um, I'm about to say, cause in the beginning, like they didn't really. They still had like the non-believer or like the non-cult member kids but within the three years, they, like, killed them off, and Sarah and Job were the last ones only because of Sarah's ability.
0: Yeah, yeah. They're very, they have very strict rules here. Mm-hmm. Kids. I was like, oh, wow, kids follow But that's them. cults
1: for you, though. Cult's, like, yeah, about to say, yeah, cults always have had, like, um, very strict set of rules, like, as far as, like, You being in it So like once you're in it You're like in it And you can't like um, Leave Like they'll be like You don't like It's your free will to stay here But You know what happens if you leave That's kind of like That's really how they are And this is like Okay well I'm gonna just stay I don't wanna die (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let me just stick around Let me just stick around you're totally right again like my favorite season of american horror story is cult so like that all interests me a a lot but when you bring it down to the kid level it's like i'm I'm surprised they all have the attention span for it it's my thing like the teenagers i can understand it would as i mean they do bring it up in this one between malachi and isaac how teenagers or preteens would listen to this eight-year-old but like or at least nine i guess i'll give him that but like it bringing bringing little kids, especially as little as Sarah and Jove. I'm like, okay, you would you can kind of see how they would play follow the leader. But then again, yeah. it's like and eventually they would just want to play a different game,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: but uh, Sarah is is special. she is psychic, which is or yeah, Sarah is psychic, which is a you know, Stephen King staple. Most of all of his stories have a psychic child or a psychic person. They're usually uh they usually represent of uh, like innocence is what that is innocence and curiosity is what that is but when it comes to stephen king in a psychic person i mean sometimes they're evil um like i think in it uh what my one of my favorite stephen king characters like it's kind of hinted at that henry byers has some kind of psychic connection uh with pennywise which is kind of it like elevates his evilness meanwhile you got the other characters who are sort of psychic with each other in the shining it's danny this little about the same age as job and sarah would be about like you know oh about six or seven years old and danny is this super magnet as they call him in the shining for like the psychic abilities and ghosts and stuff so like even you want to bring up carrie although carrie's abilities didn't kick in till puberty But same thing, Stephen King has a whole lot of psychic children in his stories that you can find them almost anywhere. Any story ever, there's some kind of psychic thing going on. And yes, all the psychic things, like Sarah here would be considered, she she would have considered, what am I saying? She would be considered to have some level of The Shining because that is what he calls the the psychic thing there. Which I liked it. I liked Sarah and her little drawings there. I I I like that. She was very good at drawing.
1: She was, but then she'll be like, I drew a picture of you. And like, you're getting stabbed by the children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, she'll be like, so happy of her work.
0: But then, it's
1: like very murder. It's a very murderous scene.
0: It's like the worst omen ever, or the worst warning ever, really. <laughs> you're
1: like, you're going to die in there. <laughs>
0: Oh god, poor little Sarah though. I think here's one thing that really surprised me. I think all the kids are pretty good in this movie. Like acting wise, like I was surprised how good everyone was, like how convincing everyone was.
1: Yeah, they all seem like distressed children from the Midwest.
0: <laughs> the Midwest. Oh god. Yeah, the, yeah, I, I really enjoyed like Job's and uh Sarah's little <laughs> I put in my notes here. I've heard a strip Monopoly because of Friday the thirteenth, but Dress up Monopoly? Question mark.
1: <laughs> like they just,
0: and then she's like, "I'll be thirteen hundred thousand dollars, please." I'm like, "Oh, precious." Oh See,
1: like, yeah, like that, like that scene. I was like, "These are just kids."
0: Meanwhile, you got Malachi just mean mugging this entire movie, man. What do you think about Malachi?
1: Like, he, at the, in the beginning, he was just kind of there, but as the movie went on, I was like, "Oh, you." actually like to kill and stab and you must like blood because (laughs) yeah Yeah. all this killing mm, y'all need that many sacrifices
0: exactly even even
1: sacrifice the dog like they would he would just want to kill anything like what did the what did the pupper do
0: yeah like that oh man that whole dog scene in the uh the the mechanic guy i was like that's a that's a whole like sitcom we just missed there between those two. Honestly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we live just outside of town of murderous kids, but we still keep the gas on. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Mr. Whiskers here, whatever the dog's name was. Um, but yeah, I I like Malcolm. I think. Barge. Barge was his name. Sarge. Sarge? Sarge? I don't know. It doesn't matter. He dead now. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter but like yeah like uh, this has a great setup it's it's one of those things that uh stephen king is kind of well known for which is i don't want to say high concept but just kind of like things that no one else would ever think of like it's a cult in a small town but the cult is children and they worship like, like this whole movie is just basically kids worshiping a giant cornfield but like still and it's it's still effective because it's still very creepy. Like, the town is completely abandoned. We were on, you know, we did Silent Hill. We were talking about how, like, we wanted more of the, the vibe from the actual town rather than all these yeah. monsters running around. All right. And this movie gets that right completely. Like, this oh, is, yeah. like you know, this whole movie could have is them just walking around looking at this, like, dried blood, like, all over the walls and stuff. And, like, it's just... It's just an interesting vibe to, for this movie to have, and just be littered with children everywhere. It's like, oh man, that is that is a that is an adult nightmare. Bring it back to the tagline there. Um, but yeah, I liked Malachi. He did. He is your basic psychopathic Stephen King character. Um, his his lips were almost as terrifying as his face because his lips are just all over the place in this movie. But. <laughs> He knows how to throw a knife. That was in. That was in. That was insane. He's just throwing knives all throughout this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, yeah. We mentioned Joseph earlier. He kind of kicks the plot off. He's planning to run with um, with uh, <laughs> Joby and Sarah, and he's like, I can't take you guys with me, but you have to watch out for each other and watch out for me. And he immediately gets caught. Running with a suitcase. First off, kid, if you're gonna run away, you do leave the suitcase, or at least get it. Pack smaller. So My sure thing didn't.
1: is, there was one time I wanted to trip Joby because he was like, "Cause Joseph was like, make sure no one's behind me or make sure <laughs> no one's looking." No, <laughs> he yells, Bro,
0: we gotta be so quiet and secret about this. So make sure no one's looking." And then he just
1: yells, "It! No one's
0: looking!" <laughs> Oh, man, that was funny. Joe was just yelling throughout this entire movie because at the very end, like, they're, they're doing the whole firefight thing and <laughs> they do, the, he throws them all, he throws them all, the, what is it, the Molotov, Molotov cocktail, whatever the fucking cocktail is called, Molotov cocktail. Yeah. And <laughs> he misses and then he brings it back and he says,
1: throw it right this time. I'm like, oh,
0: this kid here.
1: I do, but yeah, but that was the only time I was upset with Joby. I'm just like, dude, really? <laughs> no one's looking.
0: Like, basically, you could have just like put on the police sirens at that point.
1: Honestly, <laughs> the
0: bell horn,
1: whole... something. Have a cowbell. <laughs> hey guys, he's running away. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look over here. <laughs> Oh, look over here. No one's escaping. (laughs) He's escaping. The killer is escaping.
0: (laughs) TikTok has ruined us.
1: (laughs) Oh, me, it has. Oh, my gosh. It's like you could, the sounds are just so very quotable. You could use it in anything.
0: For real. All right, so let's move into Burton Ernie. I mean, well, Burton Vicky here—they're about the same, honestly. I was like, I—I I just kept writing Burton Ernie in my nose, and I kept—I don't know. It's not because I didn't get her name. It's just that they felt like Burton Ernie. Actually, like they were just—they <laughs> were just goofy. These two people were just the goofiest couple I've ever seen in a movie. Like they're always just kind of like giving each other backhand compliments, and then the next moment they're just kind of dancing around. Which, Vicky wants to be married. Yes, I did like that whole little dynamic there. Vicky wants a commitment. She wants to be proposed to. I like. She's like, "Happy birthday!" And he was like, "Oh, thanks." And then they talk about some dream or something. She's like, "Was that a proposal?" And he was like, "No." <laughs> and then he gets he needs a cigarette. But like I like the dynamic though. Like clearly Bert has cold feet and he's more he's putting that energy into his new job that they're going to back when you got a new job and you had to drive to where you work. Although I'm pretty sure planes existed, so this whole movie could have been dodged by a plane ticket.
1: Yeah. No, nope, yeah. Maybe he wanted to go sightseeing. I don't know. Yeah.
0: But I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess that makes it or also he
1: probably wanted his car too. Oh.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> i was about to say like you know sightseeing this is nebraska but i guess a car would make more sense having you need a car i don't know can they mail a car to you i'm guessing oh, not
1: probably shipping yeah you probably get it shipped to you it won't just come in the mail like your car is here
0: or like <laughs> <laughs> you just ups pull up
1: <laughs> it, I don't know. I don't know how it works. It might like it might get shipped to like, a car lot and you pick it up, maybe. I don't know.
0: Okay. But that's gotta be hella. Or different.
1: you just buy a whole new car.
0: True. I mean he is a doctor now, as they say yeah. in the movie. He's a doctor, a physician. I think it would have been really interesting if he was like a pediatrician though. That would have been that would have I maybe that's on the nose, but if I were directing or writing, I would have been like, let's make him a pediatrician. Draw some parallels here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those kids got to be sick. They, I mean, do they know what to do?
1: (laughs) They just cut up people on the 19th birthday, so I doubt it.
0: Man, that scene. That scene is so funny, but like so awkward. It's like this man is bleeding from his chest. Meanwhile, y'all are arguing (laughs) across this church. And then we got crazy ass Rachel trying to demand everybody to sit up. It's like, stand up. Now sit down sees him, and she's just yelling just all over the just as place.
1: bad as, like, Malachi and Isaac.
0: yes. I wanted more Rachel in this movie, honestly.
1: Yeah, she's, I mean, yeah, she's,
0: yeah. She's not in it as much. She kind of shows up halfway through, and then she just, like, steals the show. She's just <laughs> insane, just, like, stabbing folks and everything. She's ready to drink that dude's blood, too. Uh, just so you know, Rachel does come back in the series, like, several times. She's Great. she's she's very important in part six, I believe. And then I think in the newest one, like I said, I haven't seen it, but like I think Runaway is where they really center on her or what happened mm-hmm. to her. But like, yeah, Rachel does is a character that comes back a couple of times along with Isaac. Malachi obviously does not <laughs> after be having this neck snapped, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Like <laughs> um, they really should have brought back the, the Joby and uh Sarah. Um, but yeah, Burton, Vicky. I don't know i they're they're just goofy to me I do like when they're on the road and they are listening to the radio and we have like all, nothing but like sermon sermon after sermon like what do you think of that whole thing and basically this whole movie has a commentary on like you know religion and mm-hmm. and, and fear mongering so what do you think about that did you catch on to it or not
1: I did uh I don't know this um this um, The sermon gave me very Jim Jones. Um, because I wrote a paper, I wrote a paper on cults, and I had focused a lot on uh Jonestown. So I watched a lot of like um I had watched some sermons uh, uh that he had. I watched some documentaries. I covered some of his sermons. I covered um um like what he did with his cult and everything. So this move, like, the movie, especially that sermon that they kept, uh, listening to, or they kept, that kept popping up, um, it reminded me of him, because that's, like, uh, kind of like how he sounded, and, like, that's how a lot of cults that use religion to get the people, that's how, that's kind of, like, how they sound, like, it's very weird, like, it's it's always been weird how religion is used to make people, believe a certain thing or go with how you want things to be, or go with like your ideals and whatnot. Um, like it's very weird how people manipulate religion in certain ways to benefit their ultimate means. And goals. Yeah. I
0: had the same exact thoughts. You you nailed it on the head there. This is an interesting study on that. Um. But yeah, I, I I like how they, I think they did it in a very classy way. They weren't overbearing, but they also didn't pick a side. And yeah. so they were just really, I mean, obviously they're on a, you know, not on the side of like fear mongering, but they're giving both points. Like, you get the kid's perspective, which is interesting and how, you know, they were really, they were really believed in like Isaac and what he was saying because the whole mystery of this movie is that, is it bullshit or is it not? And at the end you realize, Oh, it's real. It's, <laughs> it's, it, there's a there's a demon or something in this cornfield that are like is influencing these kids, so you can understand how they all would be like infatuated by it. On the other hand, you got Bert who literally like starts yelling about you know he, just one line he says you know are you rewriting the whole thing or just the parts that suit you, and you know obviously talking about the Bible and how people have <laughs> interpreted it. So it, it's really good. I, I like how they were able to insert that into again. A like 16 page uh, short story about a cult of kids who killed people like some just it, i think it's really interesting how people can take stephen king's work and elevate it and mm-hmm. add stuff to it because stephen king already had already works on that level like you know i what i like about his his stuff is that it, it does tend to be like metaphorical like but he also brings it to more of a where you can feel it like you know my i've read several of his books my favorite one that i have read is pet cemetery because i you i in that book in that story i felt what he was writing about you know the fear of losing children and losing people like in very horrific ways and while also dealing with like grief and like the existential crisis of death here we're dealing with religion and you know uh false gods against real gods and what wish what we should believe or not and essentially it all goes back to commitment which is what vicky's whole thing is and like if you're you know these kids are committed to whatever they believe in so why can't you commit to me on a one-on-one level like i like that whole question yeah although it never gets answered the movie just kind of ends with them walking off (laughs) I mean, I guess they commit to having these adopting kids. Like that's the commitment. yeah. But this, I
1: think yeah, I think it's implied that Sarah and Joby get adopted by Vicky and Bert.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that kind of helps their relationship. But um, yeah, yeah. All right. So, what do you think about the villain before we start wrapping up? What do you think about the villain of this movie, <laughs> He Who Walks Behind the Rose? Did you? I don't know. Do you remember seeing it for the first time and thinking that there was nothing in the cornfield and that these kids were just crazy, or were you surprised, or or did you know that there was this demonic thing in the cornfield?
1: Yeah, going through it, I did think that it was that there it was nothing. It was just like a figment of these children's imagination, and the uh, Isaac boy was just exploiting off of that. Yeah. Or like he like yeah he was just putting like like uh like it was like a town like folk thing that right? there's like something in the there's something in the corn and Isaac had like exploited that and was like the thing in the corn has spoke to me and he wants us to do x y and z yeah so that was like yeah going like yeah watching the movie up until the end um i was like oh yeah that's that's just what this is that's exactly what this is then i was wrong <laughs>
0: Yeah, once lightning starts striking and you see, like, you know, 1980s effects, things get real. Right. Yeah, I remember thinking when I first saw it, like, because I was into Stephen King at that point and knowing that he can kind of use, he can kind of cheat sometimes by saying, like, it's both supernatural and psychological. You know, for some, like, for me, that's what I absolutely loved. I didn't realize that until later on. But like, when I first watched it, I was like, well, that feels kind of cheap. And so I didn't didn't like it until I'd like you know, as I develop my own like taste for movies and especially horror, I do like when you can balance and mix the supernatural with more psychological things. Again, Pet Cemetery does that excellently. Not the the recent remake, but like the the book and and somewhat the original movie, somewhat. But that that definitely that book, but also like the stand and Christine. They also kind of touch on even *The Shining*. *The Shining* is like the biggest example, and *Carrie*. They all kind of mix that whole psychological, and I guess *It* does it too. Yeah. That's all Stephen King does: just mix the psychological with the supernatural, and thus it, it for me, it becomes something much more. I think within this movie, *He Who Walks Behind the Rose* should have got a little more time to develop, in the way, in the sense that they could have given. They could have shown the influence a lot more. Like we see the corn moving it by itself and stuff. And I like the scene where Vicky and uh and Bert just just say "fuck it" and like start driving through the cornfield. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, when there's no roads, we make one and fuck the corn. But like I would have liked to have seen the corn like have more influence. Maybe they start influencing how Bert and Vicky act or they maybe you do see something happening between Malachi and Isaac and they're clashing in the way. And or even put it to us, Sarah's, you know, Sarah is honestly just like a plot point in this movie. She's there to keep things going and for us, you know, she, she's used for foreshadowing. But like I would have liked to have seen like maybe Sarah is also able to communicate with the corn. Like
1: a, that, I think I, that would have been really cool since she is like the psychic Like yeah. have her like like have like an actual interaction with the corn.
0: Yeah, I would like you know uh, again Stephen King is just really interesting and really get into, but like um if you if you ever heard of The Stand or you know people out there if you ever read The Stand or watch The Stand, uh, I recommend definitely checking it. If you have Paramount Plus, definitely check out that series that came out earlier this year or last year you'll, I mean, there's a lot of divisive things about it, but if you want to know the gist of The Stand, definitely watch that little mini-series. Uh, But, like, in The Stand, you have, like, uh, the evil force versus the good force. I would have liked to have seen a version of that with Sarah, and maybe she is this good figure, this good supernatural figure that can go up against this bad supernatural figure in the same way that, you know, Mother Abigail, or, you know, in the series it was Whoopi Goldberg, and then you have um Randall Flagg or uh Alexander Skarsgard as these two figures and they have like it the stand is very interesting in that way. I think you could have done the same thing here. even especially with Sarah being a little girl. Like that would have been really cool. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like that um uh, I need to make at least six one of these six movies and that, that needs to remain here. Like, you know, give me a budget. I'll remake Children of the Corn. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, I I like I like he who walks behind the rose. He's just creepy enough for me. Yeah, I like when he possesses Isaac too. Like after the the whole turning on Isaac, like Malachi gets enough followers on his own, and they all just turn on Isaac. I love that scene. And then when he comes back and is like, "Oh, Isaac, you fucked," or "Oh, Malachi, you fucked up." (laughs) Like Like that.
1: Oh, you in trouble now, boy
0: yes i love that part that is my favorite like isaac is possessed and he just says <sighs> all right we're done here <laughs> burn the court here. um anything else you want to say before we uh end here anything else you want to bring up talk about
1: i think we covered everything yeah we covered
0: most of it uh, this is a very simple movie it's one of the most this is one of the more simple stephen king stories I guess. yeah like, like you know it gets very complicated and mm-hmm. pet cemetery also gets very fever dreamy-ish <laughs> yeah. but like this is one of them like even the shining gets kind of complicated but this is definitely one of the more simple ones again 16 page short story but like a lot of stephen king's short stories even get very complicated like i know um uh, what's another short story uh, i like a lot of uh like even stand by me is a simplified version of that story that like i that's a that's a very complicated short story about a couple of kids looking for a dead body. Um, even Shawshank, they kind of dramatized it more. But, like, this is definitely one of the more base-level, simple, like, again, it's, it's a movie about a cult of children that worships a cornfield.
1: But I still think that it's still, like, is, even though it's simple, it's still, like, a very easy scare. Especially if you're mm-hmm. like, watching it younger. like It's not like, ah! But it's like, ooh.
0: Yeah, like it's creepy.
1: Yeah, that's like what, I don't know why creepy didn't come out. That's what I was really trying to say. It's still creepy enough for a simple, like even though it's simple, it's still very much so creepy.
0: Yeah, like this movie definitely pervades, like if you just think about it for like, you know, say you watch this movie and then you immediately take a drive. Like you're going to be like, oh my god. <laughs> like you're going to feel chills a little bit.
1: I mean, where I go to school, there are a lot of cornfields.
0: Oh yeah, I, that's what I like about it. All right, sorry, yeah, let's get to it. So, do you recommend *Children of the Corn*? Yes. Alrighty, and I, you know what, I was unsure if I was going to recommend it or not, but yeah, I do. I again, this is a movie about a cult of children who worship possessed possess corn, and for some reason, it works. But I, I, it's enjoyable, and I think it's recommendable. It's, it's a simple story. And that for me makes it a basic recommendation it still works as a horror movie and i i think this is this is a movie that i would put on for like you know people who want to start getting into horror movies especially stephen king like this one is like the first one i would pull out this and carrie like those are the two i think putting i think uh putting it in front of people is a little too deep water like that maybe a little bit too too much
1: about to say there are some people who watched it like when they were younger and are still traumatized by clowns
0: yeah like that's like
1: it like for i have like a bunch of friends where their root the root of their clown fear is because of it and i have a cousin um who's scared of like the sewage drains because of it like that movie is traumatizing if you watch it too early
0: yeah like both versions too but uh yes Just on the Corn, I feel like it's it's right there. If you want to start getting into horror movies, this is one of the ones I would pull out. If you want to start getting into Stephen King, this is definitely the ones I would pull out together. I usually say, like, Carrie is definitely the perfect one, though, because it has all of Stephen King tropes in one movie, and it Mm -hmm. works. But, like, definitely, like, this is a close second. Like, this has all of it and a bit more subtext to it. Um, as far as the sequels go, like I said,
1: <laughs> <you can laughs>
0: rewind the podcast, listen to what we said about that one. But like, uh, <laughs> they get kind of mucky there. Like, it gets kind of. Eh. But um, I would love to see a remake. Actually, I would love to see like a big budget remake of this. I don't know why they haven't done it. It's just been a lot of straight to DVD like sequels and stuff. Yeah. But like, they need to give this concept the it treatment, or even like put as much effort as they did into the. Like, You know, the Pet Cemetery remake isn't good, but they had a lot of effort into it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so I feel like this this could definitely still work. Don't, so whatever you do, don't give it to Blumhouse, though. I'm tired of Blumhouse movies, but like give it to just like someone else, and they would like give it to A24, they'll make it. Maybe, I mean, that's maybe too far. Give it to somebody, and they, I think, they will make a good version of this movie because this could still definitely work, oh, especially, yeah,
1: definitely.
0: yeah, if you make. If you make Burden Vicky younger, like that's terrifying because at that point they wouldn't have their phones and, and you know, I don't want to be that guy, but like you know, no technology and you're surrounded by like kids, <laughs> oh boy.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, Zaria, thank you for another fantastic episode. I actually really enjoy talking to children of the core and I want to talk more. <laughs>
1: thank maybe we you will. For having me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe we will do those sequels. Who knows? I'm down to watch them. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Murder Board podcast. Oh, oh. Last before, last thing before we leave, I, I try to make a habit of doing this because I know um, a lot of people like to keep up with like schedules and what we do, and I don't always post them. So next time on the uh, Civil Trials episode, we are nearing actually our season uh, finale. We're almost done with season three. Zarya.
1: Oh my gosh
0: another season in the bag uh I, I do feel bad because i never got to to do a story for this season but i'm I'm planning on making that up next year um but we are nearing the end where i think we are in our final three episodes of the podcast actually in december oh and then we won't be coming back until mid like mid to late january like january 20 something like it'll be around the time Scream 5 comes out but we won't release that episode until like a week or two afterwards like we're definitely going on a big break after uh after december 18th is when our last episode is Okay. Uh, yeah so we're so guys yeah enjoy season three while it lasts because we're about to end it um we're in our final three episodes starting next time next week actually uh in december We'll be tackling a movie that I definitely want to tackle because it's just going to be interesting. We started the year off doing cosmic horror and space stuff, but uh, we're going to be talking about Fantastic Four, but the 2015 movie. And um, I think I'm going to get the boys. I think it's going to be a boys podcast for that one just to see how that goes. Because uh, there's going to be a lot of arguments on that one, whether that movie's good or not. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. Have a good night. You too thank you for listening to the murder board podcast you can find more of the murder board podcast by following us on instagram at murder underscore pod and on twitter at murder the. there you can ask questions and leave comments about the show please don't forget to share the podcast with family and friends you can find us on most of your favorite podcast networks such as spotify apple podcast google podcast audible and of course here on anchor podcast don't forget to rate and review. That way we can get the podcast out to even more listeners and build our murder board community. Also consider supporting this podcast by helping sustain future episodes such as this by hitting the support slash link button down below in the show notes. Or you can join our official Patreon. There you can gain access to early episodes and videos, get bonus episodes, and more Murderboard content. Look for new episodes on Fridays and or Sundays, and we'll catch you again on the Murderboard.